You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, uh, verse 1. We're going to read nine verses in just a moment. Uh, we're in a series now uh, based on the theophanies of the Old Testament. Basically, uh, long before the incarnation of God, we'd already been introduced to the physical form of God in these theophanies. Theophanies are a combination of two words meaning appearances of God. And these are in the Old Testament. And many theophanies uh, have this phrase, the Lord came down. And so far we've seen the Lord's uh, first physical appearance after the fall of mankind when he provided the world's first animal sacrifice for Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned. Then last week uh, we saw the Lord show up and confuse the languages at Babel for the people's protection actually long term. He had a plan and they had gotten off track and he put them back on it. Uh, so we've seen sinful mistakes and we've seen uh, calculated rebellion. But this week God's going to flip the script and he's going to give us a fresh start. And I know you just sat down, but would you stand back up again in honor of God's word? Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Let's read this together. These are the words of God. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And I'll make of you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife and Lot, his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. Negev is the southern part of Canaan. You can be seated. I've actually asked Ben Hiley via video <laughs> that he recorded a while ago uh, to pray for our service this morning. So let's uh, watch this video. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we do ask for your grace. We ask for your grace on Piperton Baptist Church. We ask for your grace on Hope Church. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us specifically the grace to see you, that we would be a people who know you and love you, who say no to the things that you hate and yes to the things that you're calling us to. Thank you for letting us be part, not only of your kingdom, but of your kingdom's work in bringing many to come to know your name. Lord, I pray that this day, uh, as Piperton meets, you would infuse your people with a sense of joy and love and hope and mission that you want us to have. Lord, please keep the enemy away. And please, Father, as we continue in this walk, give us the grace to honor your name and to please you by being satisfied uh, with who you are and what you've done in us. We love you, sir. We pray all these things in your son's holy name. Amen. 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 Uh, 
So, you know, failure, we all fail, and failure is uh, embarrassing. And we've talked about this in weeks past, that it's, it's, the failure seems even greater when it's uh, set against the backdrop of God's grace and his goodness. And uh, we, we often want to just bow in defeat and give up. And, but God in this story is determined to give his people uh, another shot. There's a true story I read this week. It's a funny story of a golfer. He said, it was a sunny Saturday morning, a little before 8 a.m. I was on the first hole at the Oaks of St. George Golf Club. And that's in Ontario, uh, Canada, I believe. And he was beginning my, he said, I was beginning my pre-shot routine when a piercing voice came over the clubhouse loudspeaker. And that voice said, would the gentleman on the women's tee please scoot back to the men's tee? All right. He says, uh, I felt every eye on the course looking at me, but I was still deep in my routine, seemingly impervious to the interruption. When again came the voice, would the man on the women's tee please scoot back to the men's tee, please? He said, I finally uh, ignored, tried to ignore the guy and tried to keep my concentration. But again, third time over the loudspeaker, would the man on the women's tee back up kindly to the men's tee, please? Finally, couldn't take it anymore, dropped his club, turned around, cupped his hands and yelled up, would the jerk on the microphone please let me hit my second shot? <laughs> You know, it's, we, all need a, we all need a fresh start, right? <laughs> Especially when our sins have been pointed out in public. Uh, and we need a mulligan. And uh, here's the good news. God's not yelling at us over the bullhorn. He knows it's our second shot. Actually, our third, our fourth, our fifth. And he's saying, it's a gimme. It's a gimme, I'll give it to you. Which introduces our first point this morning. What instigates... A fresh start. And this is kind of, this may stun some of you. What instigates a fresh start? What flat factors play into a new beginning? And I know culturally there are things that set up fresh starts. There are birth, death, marriage, divorce, uh, remarriage, new jobs, a new house, a new year. Uh, but for the history of God's people, the lead in to this chapter, Genesis chapter 12, was Genesis chapters 3 through 11. And those chapters are three large worldwide strikeouts, all right? And I really don't care how the world tries to twist it. It was and is simply the failure of sin. We see in just the first 11 chapters of Genesis, God willed out justice three times. Two weeks ago, we, we saw in Genesis 3 when the devil was punished uh, and Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And then came the destruction of mankind through the flood in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And then last week, we saw the punishment of mankind at the Tower of Babel when he divided all their languages in Genesis 11. Right? The deception of the fall, the wickedness of man at the flood, and the rebellion and attempted revenge of man at the Tower of Babel. Three historic, epic, world-altering events by a just and holy God, precipitated by what? Those three little letters, S-I-N. Spiritually speaking, sin is the number one instigator of fresh starts. It's not weight loss. It's not relationship status. It's not your geographic location. It's just the same old, selfishly instigated, demonically motivated sin. 
Church, I, I look back over the last 50 years of my own life uh, and my own world that I live in, the, the country I live in, and I kind of feel like Abraham must have felt. He's down there right after the Tower of Babel. He's living in Mesopotamia. And much of what he sees and much of what we see in our history is just a history of sin and God's divine displeasure. I look at our country and I can't fathom the amount of God's divine displeasure. Not with just our governments, not with just our nation, but with me, with us in our sin. Listen, sin with all, and this is the good news, with all its looming judgment, with all its shameful guilt, it is the very thing that God can use to give us a, a fresh start. He sets up a fresh start with our failures. If you're at the bottom of the barrel, uh, the end of your rope, you've, you're, you're proverbial ship has hit the sand, you've run aground, well, that's the place, that miserable little hole you're in right now where God wants to take you out of. It's your starting blocks for something fresh and new. What instigates a fresh start? Shocking to say it, but it's sin. God takes what man meant for evil, Genesis 50 verse 20, and he uses it for good in our lives. Secondly, we see the courage of obedience, Genesis 12, 1 through 7. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you, verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Verse 6, he passed through the land to a place of Shechem to the oak of Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I'm going to give this land. Abraham is courageously obedient. And that obedience was instant and it was without question. Now, Abraham's courage is seen in the excuses that he ignored to obey God. We all had those little voices chirping in the back of our head. Some of you had them this morning when you rolled out of bed. Really just want to sleep in this morning, right? I really don't have time for a devotional this morning. I really don't want to forgive that person. I really, right? I don't want to do this. I don't want to step out in faith in this area of my life. We all have those little voices chirping. And Abraham pushed through those voices and ignored those things. First, we see that he ignored his age. Genesis 12, verse 4, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, Genesis 25, verse 7 says he lived to be 175. But that's still like, uh, you know, late 30s, uh, early 40s for us, right? So he's over the hill and God's... You know, call it, but he doesn't question him. Say, hey, couldn't you have told me this a little earlier? Right? Isaiah 40, verse 30 says, even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhaust, exhausted. Forget the old men. Even the young guys get tired. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. My point is that this is more than an 18-year-old uprooting their lives to move off to college. This is more than a 25-year-old moving his family to be stationed at a new naval base. Abraham's in the middle of his life and most everything in his life is about to change, every part of it. But he didn't question God. He's like Moses. And by the way, you over-the-hill folks, you over-40 folks, listen to this. Write this verse down in your Bibles and make it part of your life. Deuteronomy 34, verse 7. 
Moses was 120 years old. 120 years old when he died, his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. That's what I I want to, I'd love that to be written on my tombstone. The psalmist knew this and he prayed for it in Psalm 71 verse 1. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Abraham understood that. How can a middle-aged man or an elderly person have strength? because they know God's the one that gives it to them. Amen, Norma? (laughs) All right, Isaiah 46 verse four says, even to your old age, this is the words of God to you, even to your old age, I am he. And to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. You think you can't have a fresh start when you're over the hill, think again. Have the courage to ignore your age. I know some of the greatest people in my life. I believe your last years can be your best years. I pray it for my own life, and I pray it for you. And God says we can. You may hurt more when you get up in the morning, (laughs) but you also know more the older you get of the blessings and the graces of God. You have so much more to give in your old age, I think, than you do when you're 20. I think you have more wisdom and more vigor. You know better how to pray. Abraham had the courage of obedience because he ignored his age. Secondly, he ignored his offspring, or I should say the lack thereof. Anyone want to guess how many kids, how many sons Abraham had? Uh, Father Abraham had many sons, but when he was 75, he had zero, right? (laughs) None. Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make of you a great nation. A nation? Hey, how about you give me one son, God? That'd be a good start, right? Uh, there was a, there's a Russian couple. I, I researched this. Y'all know I, I kind of geek out sometimes on this. But I, this couple named Valentina and husband Theodore, with an F, are alleged to hold the record for the most children a couple has produced. Y'all ready? All right, I don't ever want to hear you guys with five and seven children whine again. She gave birth to almost 70 children. 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, four sets of quadruplets between 1725 and 1765, a total of 27 births, 67 of which survived infancy. Allegedly, Theodore uh, had also had six sets of twins and two sets of triplets with a second wife for another 18 children in eight births. He fathered a total of 87 children. Just imagine all of your offspring being in this sanctuary right now. Scary thought, all right? It, goes, it gets better. There's a list of these people. You can, you can geek out later on your own. Mary and John Jonas gave birth to 33 children, including 15 sets of boy-girl twins in the 1800s. Miriam from Uganda gave birth to 44 children by the age of 36. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can moan with that one. All right. But what about Abraham? Nil, zero. But instead of questioning God, he showed courageous obedience to press on. He was trusting the promises of God for the future of our children. It's hard to do that, isn't it? Moms and dads, to trust God with kids you haven't even had yet. But we have to trust him and he did. That's the courageous faith for a fresh start. He ignored his age, he ignored his wife's barrenness and third, he ignored all safety nets. I love what the ESV says here. God's invitation to Abram challenges him to abandon the normal sources of personal identity and security. 
namely his family and his country. To obey Abram must trust God implicitly. All human support is largely removed. The promised outcomes are conditional on Abram's obedience. And I know for some, uh, your families are a dangerous trap. They suck, you, they suck you down a dark place. They're not encouraging. They don't lift you up. They're not a safety net. But for Abram, in his cultural situation, from a worldly perspective, it was safe and secure, right? You obviously know that, that what came of Mesopotamia, uh, from a worldly standpoint, you know, Assyria and Babylon were great nations. They, as a matter of fact, in Ur and Chaldees, they had, they're supposedly historians say there was running water. They were some of the most technologically advanced people in the world. And he was leaving all that. Genesis 11, verse 31, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his uh, daughter-in-law, and his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And if you fast forward to verse 32, Genesis 11, Terah died in Haran. Genesis 11 shows Abram, Abraham's dad, Terah, and his brother Nahor never made it outside of, of Haran. And this highlights the courageous faith of Abraham. Right, one scholar put it this way, not only was he prepared to take to the road again when the remainder of his family had settled down, but also he was going into the unknown without a map, as it turned out, and was not to enjoy a settled abode again. He'd never have a settled place. He was like a nomad. This is the price of obedience still today for those who respond to God's call. How many of our missionaries around the country, they do not, around the world, they do not have a home. They do not own a home. They live in rented places. They don't know where they have, I mean, even when Vicki and I were there, we had to get kicked out. We were always moving from house to house in different flats, apartments, as they are called overseas. But Abraham ignored his age, he ignored his lack of offspring, and he ignored the safety nets. And finally, he ignored his family cult. Abraham left his family's false religion, which is a good thing, right? You know, Abraham's dad's name was Terah, which means moon. And in Ur and Haran, the predominant worship was the worship of the moon. It was a moon cult. Uh, but... And that's a good thing that he left that, but with that comes all the, the leaving of all these traditions. And I know you may find that hard to believe, but think of our traditions, all right? Uh, I mean, we celebrate Halloween, right? But we, I mean, Fall Fest, sorry. Fall Festival, you know, right? we, we, but some of those things we celebrate were based in demonic things. Now, I'm not legalistic, and I'm, if, you, if you don't celebrate Halloween, I'm not against you. I'm fine, you, you please... Um, obey the Lord and your convictions. But this year, you're all invited to my house again on Tuesday. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have hot dogs and sit around fires out in my front yard, and then the kids will be able to, especially those of you that live out, don't have neighborhoods to walk through. You can rack up in my neighborhood. Tell, listen, there's some candy bar givers, right? <laughs> but here's my point. When we lived in South Asia, there were two big holidays. There were uh, Diwali, which is the Festival of Lights, and there was the Holi, H-O-L-I, which was where you throw powder, different colored powders on each other. And they have their basis in idolatry. But my family, 
enjoyed the festivities, not the not any worship. And and a lot of Indians were are non-practicing Hindus, and they were just out enjoying the festivities. To them, what they remember is all the family coming together. They remember they were out of school. All the businesses shut down. So that's what I mean by traditions. I'm not trying to give to to give syncretism to God's word, but there were there were traditions related to those time off that time off where you may not even remember You know, does anybody here know how Labor Day happened or how some of these holidays we celebrate, why they even exist? We don't know, but we're glad we're off that day, right? So that's an example. You know, uh, leaving a cult is good, but the traditions that went with it could have been difficult. Age, 75. Offspring, zero. Land, occupied. Country, new. Tradition, gone. Life, Incredibly unfamiliar. And listen, it's a beautiful example because church, in every follower of Christ, there's this need to abandon what's behind us and make an about face and a fresh start in the service of Jesus Christ. It doesn't always include packing up your bags and moving to a new location, but we do need to abandon all for the cause of Christ. It's what we call lordship salvation. If he's not your Lord, then he's, he's not your God. If he's not in control, then he's not God. It's not you plus, it's him, all. For Abraham, uh, by the way, Terah, his father, died in the place where his faith stopped. He went so far as Haran, and, and, but he died there. But Abraham pressed on. And as Christians, we need a fresh start every morning. So what's needed for a fresh start? Have you come to grips with your sinfulness? I'm always fearful of people that try to dodge that. When I'm in marriage counseling, when I'm, in, uh, when I'm interviewing people, one of the questions I always ask is, tell me your greatest failure. And if it takes them too long to figure that out, something's wrong. You know, if you don't know how sinful you are, you're not ready for a fresh start. You're just not ready. Go back to the drawing board. Look at God's word and see how wretched you really are. Do we strive for courageous faith despite our age, despite our family status, despite our personal financial success, land ownership and the like, despite a lack of what this world calls safety nets, despite leaving family traditions? Do we trust Christ above all of these to abandon all for the cause of him? That's where the fresh start begins. Lamentations 3.22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The failure of sin followed by the courage of obedience are key instigators of a fresh faith. And that's all good. That's our first point this morning. But in a very quick five minutes, I want to tell you our second point. What sustains a fresh start, right? Starting's one thing, but, but staying fresh is another. Well, first we see that Abraham trusted in the protection of God on a daily basis. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. 
One scholar said that phrase, him who curses, is likely a variation, meaning every single one who curses you will be cursed. Let me just pause there just for a second and say, church, stop avenging yourselves. Stop avenging yourself. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It doesn't mean people shouldn't pay for certain sins and breaking the law and things like that. All right, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm for the law, not for letting everybody go free from a law perspective. But stop avenging. Stop holding grudges. Let God avenge. One scholar said, uh, when Jesus appears to Paul, uh, when uh, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't say, you know, uh, why are you persecuting Stephen? Why are you persecuting the church? What does Jesus say when he appears to, to Saul on the road to Damascus? Why are you persecuting me? When, 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 uh, when God's, when God's, when people mess with God's children, I'm scared for them because they're messing with Jesus. You're, you're God's child, you know, and a lot more fierce than a mother bear coming out of the woods to defend her little cub you're taking a picture with in Gatlinburg is the mighty hand of God. When you mess with one of his children, stop trying to avenge yourself. You need to be praying for your enemies that God will hold back his wrath because you don't understand the wrath of God when it's unleashed. Read the Old Testament. People that messed with God's people didn't end well. Well, Abraham trusted in the protection of God. Uh, Secondly, Abraham trusted in the purpose of God. This was the failure at Babel, right? They had great achievements without divine purpose. What was the purpose? Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what? A blessing. You are to be a blessing. The KJV of Proverbs 21, verse 4 says, the plowing of the wicked is sin. Because without prosperity, without purpose, I mean, prosperity is disparity. The purpose was that Abraham's blessing would run out on others. It would spill over like Psalm 23, that great Psalm 23, verse 5. My cup overflows. That's God's purpose for blessing you. If you feel blessed, it's so that you can be a blessing to others. Just by being near Abraham, people would have a share in the blessings of God. Because to know Abraham was to know the greatness of his king. Because he talked about him. He set up altars to him. He spoke with him. Uh, When we served the Lord in uh, South Asia, there was a a mission team from Collierville that came over to South Asia and went out in this village and they shared Christ. And this, this, this farmer came to know Christ. And there was a problem in all those villages. True story, his, all the village uh, uh, wells were dry. And so the farmers, some of them were committing suicide. It was, it was detrimental. And they prayed over this well, and God filled that well up with water. And though it doesn't make any geological sense, none of the other wells in that same water table filled up, only his. But because he was a new believer, he knew what it meant to share. And he began to share his water with all his neighbors. This was not what they're used to. And did you know they say that they planted 12 churches within walking distance of that well? 
to be to know are you a believer who to know you is to be blessed by God because you're sharing Christ with them because you're blessing them to be near you is to be blessed I know many of you in this church that when I am near you I am blessed I'm encouraged when I walk away from you you have blessed me and not just with encouraging words but monetarily many of you have blessed Vicky and I through the years and to know you is to be blessed. You speak of the goodness of God in your life. And may we be that people. Abraham trusted in the purposes of God. Abraham trusted the privacy of God. I gotta move quickly on these last two. Uh, Genesis 12, seven says, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved uh, to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent uh, with Bethel on the east. And it says, when he built an altar, he called upon the name of the Lord. And that's what I mean by privacy. When you see great people of God, when you see God blessing certain people, you think, well, gosh, what, you know, it's because they're great leaders or because they're just so gifted. And if you will just pay attention to the spirit of the Lord, I'll promise you this. There's something lurking beneath the surface of that family. There's something that goes on in the privacy of their own home, in the privacy of their own quiet time, their own time with the Lord, their own prayer closets. There's a greatness that, that is about the people of God that no other people of God ever see. Because just like in Matthew, we, they're going into their closets and praying. They're spending time with God. They're crying out to God in private. You may see the public blessings of them like the whole world saw in Abraham's life. They saw he is anointed by God. But what they may not have seen is, are these intimate moments where, where Abraham was moving the stones to build an altar to God. They didn't have temples back then. This would have been like a milestone to say, my God is great. Look at what he has done. And I guarantee you there's people all over the sanctuary right now who you have places in your, your old school uh, written, you know, printed word of God. And you've, you've underlined verses that God showed you in the night. God showed you when you lost a kid. God showed you when you had great loss. And you've highlighted them. And there's a part of your life that makes you great in the kingdom of God because it's private. No one else knows about it and they don't have to know about it. God knows about it. And you've taken your cares and you've cast them on God and you have this privacy with him that no one else may understand. Well, finally, and I got to end quick. Abraham trusted the promises of God. Genesis 12, verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I'll give this land. Do you know that Abraham, the only land he ever owned was a cave and a field to bury his wife. The God who says, I'm gonna give it all to you. No other land is shown to be in Abram's possession in scripture. He knew it. He said to your offspring, I'm gonna give it to you. Before Stephen was stoned, he made, light, he made note of this. Uh, Stephen basically gave an Old Testament overview of all of the gospel story in the Old Testament. In Acts 7 verses two through five, Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. This is right before he was killed. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and your kindred and go into the land that I'll show you. Then he went out of the land uh, and after his fathers died, God removed him uh, from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave no inheritance, Acts 7 verse 5, no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length. 
but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. Church, listen, there's a possession that we all have if we've called on the name of the Lord, if we've repented of our sins, trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection. We have a possession, an investment waiting for us that is unseen. And I know it's hard to explain that to a lost world. They think you're crazy. They think you're part of a cult. But I'm telling you it's real based on the authority of God's word. We have a possession waiting for us. Pay attention. You are sons of Abraham if you've called on the name of the Lord. You are God's possession and forgiveness and eternal life and heaven are yours forever. And nothing can take that from you. Abraham trusted in the promises of God. May we do the same. May we be a people who are so close to God that when people get near to us, they are blessed just to be around us. Would you stand? Father God, we, uh, we love you. We praise you. We want to be the kind of people that just to be in contact with us is to know the glory of God, not in our own flesh, not because we think we're something, but because you've been something to us. You've done something in us, and we cannot but help share the gospel with others. I pray that you would let us give you glory, give you credit, give you praise when people are near us. Whether it's a waiter this afternoon, just to say, hey, can we pray for you? Uh, if, it's a, if it's an extra tip that you may give to, to somebody, if it's just an act of generosity, cutting the neighbor's yard, doing anything. Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of church that to know any of our members is to know the glories of God because we can't help act like and talk about our King who loves us and has forgiven us for all our wretched sin. I pray now that if there are anyone, there's anyone here they would, that does not know you, they would call on your name and be saved. Cry out to Jesus and say, I want to trust in you. I want to have this, this protection and this uh, promise that you gave to Abraham. I want to be a child of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Cry out to him and he'll hear you. I pray if there's others here that want to join this church and make it their home and serve through the local church, they would do so today in Jesus' name. Amen. sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.